Welcome to the Hoop Collective podcast. We talk about the NBA, which we are doing on Friday morning. We couldn't do this yesterday, guys. We had to wait until today, which is taxing all of us, including our producers, because we all covered games last night. But we're getting up and turning it around so that it's um, passable, <laughs> if you want the truth. Joining us from, okay, Bontemps, you were in Toronto last night, but yep. you're not in Toronto now. Where the hell are you now? I'm in Syracuse, New York. Mm. They let them back in. Let me back in the country. I'm, I'm back because you drove out of Toronto last night to flee to flee Canada and you stopped in Syracuse to visit stop, stopped in Syracuse to visit the uh, the stopping grounds of Mac 10 and uh, Nick Friedel, among others and our producer Jackson Agello. I, I was wow. I was not I was not saying his name on purpose because in the chat he dropped in a go orange and I, yeah. I I'm not a fan of Syracuse so I was just trying to I was I was going to give him a shout and then he tried to wow. get one so. Wow. Joining us from Salt Lake City, where is a early morning for you, Van McMahon, covering uh, the Jazz and Mavericks uh, closeout game. What's up, man? Howdy, partners. That's a that's a tired McMahon. Bontemps, I, you know, I spent most of my career in the Eastern Conference, you know, covering the Eastern Conference. I've covered a few Western Conference series, but I got a props to McMahon. This covering these West series especially like games four, five, six, where you're going back across, you know, you're making four hour flights and going across two time zones, like three times in a week. A lot of ground, a lot of ground it's to cover. Rough, man. I'm, well, plus, I'm, plus I was all set up to get like quality game day nap. And, and you boys, especially when you're covering these Western series, you know, the value of a game day nap. And then I get a call or a text from an editor asking for a, a serious news story on Rudy Gobert getting stung in the face by one of the bees from his hive. So my, my nap got disrupted. Um, I almost got stung by a bee last night. I was waiting to do a, a, a hit outside. One of the, uh, the local ESPN radio station had a uh, little setup outside and seriously, a bee came up and I was, you know, figure out you know with my elusiveness i figured out a way to avoid it and so i see uh i see rudy gobert come in and he's you know in his highlight uh designer suit his highlight yellow designer suit and i told him i said rudy like if you need to know some technique i just avoided a bee he said the bee was my friend i was not trying to avoid him well his well, friend's dead that might have been <laughs> Just like the Jazz. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, and ain't that fitting. <laughs> By the way, before we get started, uh, a couple weeks ago, we we banned talk about a certain team until the playoffs are over because they're done uh, playing basketball. And we're, we talk about basketball in the pod. Uh, same yeah. thing for the Brooklyn Nets. We're, we're done with the Brooklyn Nets until after the after the playoffs. Okay, so what's Talking the rule? Because I thought we were going to talk about the Jazz a little bit. So what we need to... Well, the Jazz... The, the jazz played basketball yesterday but the other two teams oh so just not you, you have a 24 hour or in our case right now about a five hour well uh, <laughs> you got a 24 hour rule then is what you're telling me well the, there's just the, Cel the, celebrate or mourn but you got a 24 hour rule i mean <laughs> no i think he's just tired of talking about the nets i think you know i don't think it applies to the other teams that's been correct eliminated. oh so it's it's uh anti-big market media bias Yes, it's, that's exactly. Yeah. It. <laughs> this is what Kyrie's been talking about on Twitter. That's, I think that's exactly it. That's exactly, exactly right. It. Uh, I'm in New Orleans. 
Uh, we all three covered game six games that ended up being closeouts last night. Road team won all three. Road team, higher scene, won all three. Um, we're going to start talking, which, which I think is the most interesting one, with the game that McMahon was at. Um, the Mavericks closing out the Jazz came right down to the buzzer. Um, Bogdan Bogdanovich, uh, Boyan Bogdanovich. Boyan. Sorry. Yeah. Bogdan's home, too. Um, yeah. Um, Different so, countries, but they're both right. home. Um, uh, so he missed a shot at the buzzer. It was actually, by the way, um, a, a very similar shot. You remember the end of the 2019 finals? Um, I'm sure the Warriors fans do when um, Steve Curry designed like that sort of trap door play where Steph Curry got open uh, and that could have uh, forced a game seven. And uh, same play, just lob all the way to the backside. Um, that one didn't go in, neither did um, Boyan's. And excellent moment for Luca Bontemps. Luca goes to the second round for the first time. Um, the, we'll talk in a few minutes about the matchup with the Suns, the, the team that I covered for this last two weeks. But this really was about the Jazz. And uh, I know you were in, <laughs> you were asking a lot of questions to Jazz players after the game. So I don't know if you could set the scene for that situation. Yeah. And look, I mean, when we say it's about the jazz, it's about uh, it, basically, do we just watch the close of a chapter that was pretty successful and disappointing? If we're being honest to have Gobert and Mitchell together, you know, a, a decent group around them and never get to the conference finals, much less beyond that would certainly be disappointing. And it, it feels like there's going to be drastic change. We've beat around the bush all year with it. Uh, you know, there's been so much talk all year long. And, and like I told Donovan, when I asked him the question straight up, I said, you know, you, you can say it's media, but this is the talk around the league. It's not being pulled out of thin air that Donovan Mitchell is going to ask out of his contract. So I just said, you know, would you like to address not that? Not out of his contract, but. I'm sorry, out of his, out of, uh, yeah, right with three years plus a player option left out of Utah, him. he would like to play somewhere else. Well, and so the first question, in the press conference, he was asked, you know, do you want to be in Utah? And he kind of gave a, yeah, man. Yeah. This hurts, but yeah, I do. You know, that, that, that sort of a thing, not very enthusiastic. So, so you know, I asked this and this is also, I also asked like, you know, does this core need a major change? And he said, you know, I'm a competitor. I feel like if you give us another crack at it, we can go get it. But in the same token, there's things that could change. Then he basically said, uh, I'm not in the headspace to, to answer this. If you ask me that in a week, maybe. But right now, I'm not in the headspace to answer that for you. So I asked him, hey, do you want out? Like, are you going to ask out? That's what the, the talking league's been. My mindset's to win. Like I said, right now, I'm not really looking at it in terms of asking for a trade. For me, I just want to win, yo. Then does the big side. This hurts. Like I said, I th I'll think about it in a week and go from there. But not, but right now, I'm not really thinking about any of that. So, you've got three years left on your contract on a, on, a, on a max contract, and you need a week to think about whether you're going to ask to be traded. Yeah, you know what he didn't say. You know, he didn't say. Yeah, no. I want to be a Utah Jazz. No, no, you don't. <laughs> no, we're, that's we're, a yes yeah, or no and, question. And, and, and he and didn't so, say yes. And so, you know, and I gave him a very like, hey, all the talk around the league's been you could be asking out. He could have very simply said, that is all wrong. You know, he could have given the Dame Lillard 10 toes down. Like, but he, he chose not to. He basically said, give me a week to think about it. And then uh, you guys won't be able to talk to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right. Exactly. So, 
you know, that's obviously if you're if you're a jazz fan, that that I'm sure was hard to hear. Um, you know, Rudy basically said, Hey, I he he said his goal's always been to win a championship in Utah. It still is, but basically it's out of his control in terms of whether he'll be here or not, and that's accurate. Um, you know, if you ask me to guess, my guess is Rudy's definitely traded and that the, the, the front office from, from Ryan Smith, uh, the, the majority owner on down to Danny Ainge and, and Justin Zanuck, uh, they figure out a way to, and, and Donovan Mitchell's part of the front office. If we're just being honest, I, my guess is they figure out a way to bring him back. Uh, they need somebody to be the mayor of Salt Lake city during all-star weekend. Um, but I don't think Donovan Mitchell's back here for very long. I don't, I don't think, you know, I think I would say at the longest one more season. So here's how the conversation has played out with the executives. Um, I'm sure Bon Temps will back me up on this. Mm. Um, this is, this is how it has gone with executives for six months. Um, yeah, they're probably going to trade Rudy Gobert. Um, mm. But then I don't see how that trade makes them that much better. And then they will be a worse team. And then Donovan will definitely want out or, I don't see why they would fire Quinn Snyder, but if they do, the replacement will be not as good and it will, there will be a worse team. And then Donovan mm-hmm. will definitely want out. And that's the, the corner that you've boxed in. The other thing that with Utah is it's still not hundred percent clear about who is calling the shots, like the ultimate shot caller. Uh, Ryan. Yes, Smith. It is. It's oh. Ryan Smith, but okay. he has, Danny Ainge here. He has Dwayne Wade here. Justin Zanix doing all the, the, the day-to-day work. You know, who, who's the and, – and what's not clear is how aligned the, the, his advisory committee, so to speak, is. That's, to me, is what's well, not clear. Well, that's okay. That's, how, that's why you want to play. And the reason it's – you know, look, at the end of the day, the Jazz were 52-20 and 20 last year. 52-20 and 20 in that 72-game mm-hmm. season. Number one overall seed. Um, top five offense, top five defense. Um, that is, you know, elite defense, um, of player, uh, excellent offensive player. Um, they had the, you know, the profile of a champion and obviously lose to the Clippers after Kawhi gets hurt. And then this season out in the first round. And the reason it's so interesting is not just because of what's happening with the jazz itself, but like what it could mean to other teams in the league. And like, I'm just going to be honest for two months now, I've been having, routine conversations with league executives about Mm -hmm. what Rudy Gobert trades could look like. This is what the teams are talking about. Teams are talking about where Rudy Gobert is going to get traded. Um, You know, they're bouncing off ideas. What about if, if this team did that? Um, What about, you know, he could go here, he could go there, you know, this deal for this guy. And I mean, I know that it upset the jazz, but like that's reality in the world. That's what everybody's preparing for. Um, I would say that my feel, my personal feel from the conversations I have, certainly not comprehensive, is the feel in the league is that the Jazz are going to do, as McMahon just kind of indicated, Mm -hmm. they're going to do some level of overhaul that does not include Donovan Mitchell in an attempt to, to make Donovan more comfortable. And that could work. It could work, but it's going to be difficult. Uh, how, um, how comfortable is Donovan Mitchell going to be if they're playing for a playing seed? Well, I, yeah, and, and I, I, yeah. And tell no, me, how, tell me, you're going to trade Rudy Gobert with with four years left on a massive contract, 
which you know minimizes his trade value. Uh, you, you you're going to trade him and and get better. Uh, you know, Danny Ainge has, has I mean, pulled off possible. miracles. Before. Danny Ainge has it's pulled possible. off miracles before, but I, I think that's going to be extremely difficult to do. Uh, you boys watch Breaking Bad, right? Oh, yep. Yeah. Uh, so w- we understand the the danger of half measures. <laughs> so that, that's just what you know. I've said let, it a hundred times. You... Trade one, trade them both. Before yeah, you go, before you go, Bon Temps, let me give yeah. you Go Bears contract numbers. Next year, thirty-seven point six million, forty point four, forty-three point two, forty-five point nine. Yeah, and so that complicates I mean, things. Yeah, I mean, he's a good player, but you know, he's he's a, a really good player. player. He's yeah, a really he's good a, player. He's a really and, good player. And if he lands in certain situations. Uh, I think he's going to have a chance to be a, a final piece of a championship puzzle, but it's, it's not in Utah. Yeah. And, and look, I mean, we've talked about this before, right? I mean, you make a really good point, McMahon, about the all-star game next year. Fans might think that's a dumb reason not to make a trade, uh, but that's a reason teams don't make a trade. I mean, you can go yeah. back to Kemba Walker, not getting traded by the Charlotte Hornets when they didn't sign him to the Supermax contract. And you can say that, the Hornets made a smart move not to sign him to that deal. You can argue they got Terry Rogier in a sign and trade. But I think, you know, the fact that Charlotte had the all-star game, the final year of his contract, I think made it more difficult for them to trade him from in their mind, as opposed to having an all-star point guard to market all year as the guy who was going to be the mayor of their all-star game. And when you, when you arrived in Charlotte, Kemba had like a message. Hello. This is Kemba Walker of the Charlotte Hornets. That's right. I, mean, I, I don't know. I don't know if Donovan would be willing to 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 put himself out there like that and uh, you know be be a pitch man. I don't know if that's in his nature. <laughs> well, and look, I I think you know I think Rudy Gobert is the best player on the Jazz. I think Donovan Mitchell's a, a very good player, but I think you've seen when Rudy's not on the court, uh, this team this team's struggles are exacerbated pretty dramatically and. For all the talk that this team, you know, lost in the playoffs last year because Rudy was on the court, they lost because they couldn't guard anybody on the perimeter because they built the team around Rudy's strengths inside. Right, but the other thing that we've seen is we, is with Rudy, they aren't good enough to get over the hump. Hundred percent. We we hundred percent. We can keep on. Hey, you know they've they've been the continuity cops for a few years now, um, and the books out on them like hey, hundred percent. Because all right, of what, so so which but, teams- but to, which teams do we think are potential go bear teams? Uh, so it depends if, if they are trying to do something where it is, Hey, let's do something that gives us a chance to stay competitive and keep Donovan Mitchell happy. I think that would take the Mavericks out of the mix. I think the Mavericks would have to be, if you're looking for the teams going to throw all the picks in and you're going to start your rebuilding process and you're going to try to put your name uh, in the mix for the next French big man. Oh, Victor oh W, who's going to be a generational type of prospect. Victor uh, Wembayama. Yeah, mean, at the top of next holy year's draft. Moses. Holy yeah. Moses. We'll, and, we'll talk about him and, in the future. And again, that's why to me, it's like no half measures. How can they blow it up? How can they do that, McMahon? How can, I mean, that's a hell of a blow up you're talking about there. That's that's trading everybody. Everybody. No, it's, no well, yeah, it's a, trade, well, trade listen, Donovan, trade Rudy. That's it. Yes. They trade Donovan, sale. they trade, they trade Donovan, they trade Rudy. They're not going to be good, probably. Yeah, I mean, and then, and by the way, their their 2024 first round pick is top ten protected owed to Oklahoma City for dumping Derek Favors contract. 
oof. Um, so you, you well, they might be, that. they might be in the top, yeah. they might be in the top 10 by then. I would guess they will be frankly at this man. point, you know, that's, that's what, not the, you ethos, better be. that's not the ethos of jazz basketball, the jazz. I mean, I, and listen, you can consecutive years, uh, that at one point that's listen, not, you could say it's the ethos or not. I mean, look, what I was going to say before is you take Rudy Gobert off this team. This team isn't good. They will not be able to guard anybody. So like to McMahon's point, if they're trying to trade Rudy Gobert and get back pieces to win now, they're going to have right. to get a lot of pieces back, so which Dallas makes it really been, hard. Dallas has been discussed, but, you know, I agree with you, McMahon. I don't see the piece there. I mean, not only do you have to have something that satisfies Utah, you got to have a lot of money because I just told you his yeah. salary is in the high. Well, I, I, I disagree because I, I think that I personally think Rudy's value in the marketplace is going to be under what his talent level and production is going to be. I, well, I, I think, think we he, all agree on that because of the contract. Yeah, well, I I think some of it's because of the contract. I also think he's just frankly underrated in the league. I, I think a lot of people, I think, undervalue him um, because he is a 7-2 center, because he doesn't do a lot of stuff with the ball on offense. Like, because, I non, think, because non-shooting centers have kind of gone the way of the dinosaur. Well, right. But I, I do. So, I mean, even his defense, I think, is underrated too. I think people, I think a lot of people, even in the league, look at what happened in the playoffs last year and blame it on him. Where I personally do not. I don't blame it on him. I blame I it on a team that right. tried to maximize what they had, and because of that, found themselves in a position where they couldn't beat right. a Kawhi Leonard list uh, Clippers fine. team. However, I, I was making forward. such what a smooth train. I was trying to make such a smooth transition from gone the way of the dinosaur to the Raptors and bond temps kept. Yeah. Well, I was trying. Well, I was going to try to answer Brian's question. I wish about other teams. Way of the Dodo birds. That's what I was trying to do. I was trying to mention the Raptors. Okay. Who I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Is, is Pascal Siakam potentially available there? That could be really interesting for the Jazz. I, mean, I think they're in half I think measures. that the I think that Siakam potentially could be available for the right trade. I, I don't know if it's for Rudy Gobert though. Okay, yeah. um, I think we need to look at Atlanta. Um, yeah, I was so going to say Atlanta. To me, the team that makes the most sense is Atlanta, um, because their defense is horrific. It's holding them back, mm-hmm. um, and you know. Trey Young has got to get better defensively. He's we understand he's not going to be Gary Payton, but he has to improve. He's got to try to get he's he's got to try. He's got to try. There's a lot of times on defense when Trey doesn't put in enough effort. He just has to try hard. The offense is my defense act with him is strong. But you think about that team. That team has a ton of of uh, various types of players that they can trade. A lot of them are under large contracts and you could just start the basis of it would potentially be discussing the swap of the centers capella yeah and then you start talking about what else you know potentially uh the hawks could toss in there and if you know if you give you know and i know that gobert isn't a perfect fit for today's defensive styles but you take a team that is so terrible on defense like the hawks they're you know they were in the play-in because their defense is so bad um and you i mean you give them a player that is you know, difference making. I mean, Young could hit a lot of lobs to Rudy Gobert. Uh, you know who had the most assists, uh, one player or another this year? Trey to Clint. Trey Young to Clint Capella, and and the and the lobs numbers were a huge, huge part of that. Um, Rudy's love language is lobs. So, <laughs> it's true. So that that certainly would. Uh, How do you say lob in French? 
Uh, you know what? I should I should know that. I should know. I asked him how to say F the talk in French, and I didn't get a direct translation of that either. Fifteen thousand um, dollars. That's how that's how it's or whatever you got fined for saying <laughs> I think it was I think it was twenty-five. Twenty-five, okay. Twenty-five. Uh, um so you know, Hawks Capella, you know, maybe like a Capella herder thing, and we can talk about picks. Well, I, I would you know, I, don't I know. would be looking for a perimeter defense, and DeAndre Hunter is a guy that I would be interested in, but I think yeah, the Hawks, the Hawks make are sense, looking to be a, you know, a, a good defensive team, so they're trying to hold on to him. <laughs> well, true, but the Jazz need perimeter defense. Um, you know, I, I a few months ago I was, you know, I, I I'm a, I've speculated that the Grizzlies need um, a trade for one more piece. Um, well, I've termed it um, their Andre Iguodala move. Um, the Grizzlies have a bunch of picks. They have some young players. They obviously would have Stephen Adams uh, in that type of trade. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind I I of got pushed back on that because the Grizzlies, um, um, I was sort of told we're not interested in going that direction, but I, I mulled over and I've talked with executives about whether the Grizzlies, depending on how the season ends for the Grizzlies, um, you know, they need yeah. one more piece in, in my mind. Um, of course, <laughs> they're having a problem guarding uh, a Carl Towns, and I'm not sure that Gobert solves the Carl Towns problem, but um, well, Stephen Adams sure doesn't even before he, he got in health and safety protocols. Um, you know, the, the Hornets, and, and not just because of Rudy's affinity for Stingers. <laughs> um, you know, they've been looking for a center for, for a while know. now. The Hornets paying that kind of money. I you don't talk know. about it. You're talking, talking about a team, though, with a, a lob thrower and some defensive issues. I mean, they, they definitely fit in that category. Now, what exactly that kind of move looks like, you know, I, I don't know. Gordon Hayward would have to go back to Utah. That seems unlikely. Oh, that's about the be, only that's the only way they delicious. can do it financially. Yeah. I don't I don't it, I mean that's the tricky part. Ruby's I mean, contract. Listen, no, but third, you know, get a third team involved. I mean, that's, that's true. That's true. That I mean, I, I think Dallas is I think Dallas, you know, Dallas being motivated to go after him. I think is going to give them a real shot. Cause like I said, my point I was making before is I just don't think the market is going to be as robust as it should be. And I think even if they just come in with a bunch of picks and are willing to take and want to take him, that could allow the jazz to flip those picks and money into other stuff. And that might be the way this happens. And I think if, if somebody aggressively goes after Rudy, I think they got a real shot at him. And to your yeah. point, McMahon about, I mean, I know you were alluding to, to Dallas. I mean, if you add, you put Rudy with Luca, like, I I think team is going to have a real shot to win a title. When you, next when you year. talk about three team trades, uh, I was talking to a general manager last week and he's like, look, we all think the <laughs> are going to try to trade Russ as much as they can for yeah. whatever they can. And, um, you know, Gobert out there, two giant salaries, two, two giant salaries that could be traded. You know, when you start looking at trades, that's what the, that's what the executives are looking at. Is there, are there three team trades where Gobert and, and, um, Gobert and Russ are involved and, you know, there's a wheel that rotates them around and then moves them one to the other. And so when you have two big contracts like that, that can be traded for each other, not to, to be 1 trillion percent clear, not that the be, they would be traded for each other. 1 billion well, trillion you don't, percent clear. You don't, you but, don't think Russ would be a good fit in Utah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> should do that deal. Um, but <clears throat> they could be traded for each other and then used for the third team. Um, it, it, you know, one of the difficulties with three team trades is making the math work on big numbers because you got to include a lot of guys. Any, um, um, so. any 
you know, I know, I know Rudy and Draymond Green have a great relationship. Any, uh, <laughs> any Golden State possibilities? I there? have heard, I have heard that rumor out there. Um, uh, you know, I guess it would be based around Wiggins. I don't know if the Warriors, the Warriors might win the title this year. <laughs> um, and if they win the title, I don't know if they're looking for a major shakeup, but, um, you know, that's the one spot that the, um, that the Warriors are, are, uh, they don't have that big and they have, young players and they have the Wiggins contract. Wiggins so, and Wiseman, that's a start there. Um their salaries so their their payroll is wild, is wild. Um, you know, even yeah. that even that move. So um uh I think that I mean I, I don't think they should be considered a leader, but I think that's on the board. That is definitely I've definitely heard that. Uh, all right, let's um let's uh, put the Jazz away for now. We're going to be talking more about them unfortunately for their fans, not their play, but probably their moves. Um, we'll see what happens with Quinn Snyder in the coming days. Ultimately, um, to put a bow on it, McMahon, between Quinn, Rudy, and Donovan, how many of them are back next year as of today? One. I'm tempted to say none, but I think yeah. one's probably the right answer. I don't. I don't think they're trading. Like people keep asking me about this, and I would just say they're not there yet. And it may be very much a yet. Listen, if um, if but. if. And that's, I just, I do question whether Donovan has it in him to be quote unquote, the bad guy, you know, and to really push hard at this point. Now they do some half measures. It doesn't work out. Then they, you know, okay, we tried. I got, you know, got through all-star weekend and, you know, really, man, pitch that city and, oh, I'll always love Utah and blah, blah, blah. Um, I question that. I also listen with if he if he does push with three years left on his deal, it ain't pick your team, you know. Well, that's, and that's and true. I would be uh, and obviously the Knicks have been very uh, <laughs> transparent about their desire for Donovan to, to push it for a trade to New York. Uh, I would say Worldwide West showing up courtside at the Jazz's playoff opener. Um, I don't know if that necessarily w- w- helped. Uh, make that well they could more, say that that was for Jalen Brunson you know they could have no, they could also they could also say hey you know sitting right next to uh, Julius Randall he's a Dallas native I was just visiting Julius and you know we we, we went to the Perot Museum uh, and then you know the the, the Mavs game was just around the corner Six, sixth nice floor museum. yeah the, well there's that too there's also the Perot Museum if you want you know if I'm I'm an educational type of fellow I can take you there if you ever come through I would be lovely it'd be lovely I thought I was gonna do it for this next round, but uh, McMenamin stole the Suns from me. Well, and Matt, I, I'm Matt, being shipped up to Boston. Mac Eleven, Mac Eleven gets to pick what bandwagon he's hopping on. <laughs> um, you think? Imagine McMenamin who was covering the Heat, going, "No, no, no, no! I got I, enough Miami. Please, Phoenix and Dallas, thank you. Enough Miami for me. I can't take it. Miami <laughs> hey, well, in the hey, spring. Listen, dude, you know the the joys of hanging out with me. I I can't blame them. Listen, I I feel you. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call or click Ranger.com or just stop by. With the safe return of live events, you can actually be there to catch all the action in person with Vivid Seats. That's right. Every alley-oop slam, every one-timer, every sideline grab can be experienced live. And with Vivid Seats Rewards, 
you can earn rewards like free tickets. All you have to do is collect stamps, redeem, and repeat. It's that easy. From upper level to courtside, Vivid Seats has you covered for all the events that matter to you. So grab your tickets today and cheer on your favorite team from the stands. Visit vividseats.com to download the app today. Vivid Seats. Life happens live. All right, before we move on to the to the Raptors uh, Sixers, um, it's trivia time, Bon Temps. This yes, trivia is. is brought to you by CarMax. Shop online and on the lot with home delivery in select markets. Okay, we are in the playoffs. Stats Williams has been firing. I mean, Stats Williams was firing off mm. gem after gem for me last night. On, yes, uh, on Stats Chris Williams Paul. is a legend. He's a legend. 14 to 14 shooting night. Now it's time for a Hoop Collective Trivia. I thought this was going to become a four-team stat. Uh, instead, it is a, or a three. It is a three-team stat. Uh, the Toronto Raptors failed to make this seven-game series last night after going down 3-0. There were three teams in history that uh, did that before. Okay. I'm not going to. You're not going to get the first one because it was the Knicks in 1951 against the then Rochester Royals. So we'll set that one aside. So since then, there are two teams that pushed a series from 3-0 to seven games. Can you name uh, the teams? McMahon one, should get one of them yes, automatically. One was the the Jail Blazers against the Mavericks, and help me out with the year, but uh, the Mavericks. 2003. Yeah, there you go, 2003. It was the end of the Jail Blazers. That was the... Uh, That's right. Um, can you give me a hint on the other one? Uh, the other one, uh, I did not remember until I got the stat. They By were the famous. They were famous for uh, uh, knocking out a number one seed in the playoffs. I think that Jailblazer series was both teams played hard. Uh, I think that, that was, may have that may have been correct. I believe, I believe that was Rasheed Wallace's both teams played hard series. <laughs> um, last night was reminiscent of Dirk's Utah's a bad city series. It was. Uh, this is this is where. <laughs> This is where Dirk got his first playoff series victory and, you know, kind of a, a cute little coincidence. Same with Luca, same yeah. arena and all uh, different name, but same arena. Um, okay. The, the, so I was yammering too much to get the hint. The hint was the hint was uh, this team is famous for beating a number one seed in the playoffs in the same playoffs. Okay. So was that's it, what people remember them for. Was it the Grizzlies then? No, nope. the they beat the Spurs. No, not the, we believe warriors. Nope. Uh, was I would it? Just, I would just guess the Nuggets. The Nuggets over. Yeah, that is it. Say. Okay, yeah, but uh, I didn't know it. It was because of process of elimination. They played. Right, they, yeah, played they played. Uh, they played the Jazz in the second round. So they beat. They, they beat the Sonics in the first round, and then they beat the. They they lost in seven to the Jazz in the second round after being down three zero, which I did not remember until I, I didn't got know it either. I'll tell you what. I'll bet there was some sweating going on in game seven there in Utah. Holy Moses. Uh, after that, they thought they had it easy after the number one seed got knocked out. Uh, all right. Um, Bontemps, you were pretty loud that you thought that the Sixers were, were in big time trouble I, after they lost game I, five. I thought that I, I would be the first to say, and I'll tell you what, everybody around the Sixers felt the same way. I mean, you want to know how the Sixers felt about this last night after the game, Tobias Sayer said, yeah, we didn't want to go back to Wells Fargo for a game seven. You know what? Nobody with the Sixers wanted to go back to Wells Fargo in well, Philadelphia for a game seven. Ca- the Sixers don't call it. Well, Wells Tobias Fargo. actually called it Wells Fargo, which may well, be even funnier is, because the Sixers owners do not for many reasons. We'll not, we'll not get into they call but, it. 
that is in fact the name of the arena but they call it the arena is that right they call it the center because of a many disputes they have about the arena it would have been great if he was like we didn't want to go back to the center yes that would have been that would have been truly hilarious but you know because james Harden at one point obviously are bearing the lead the the sixers blew out the raptors last night and played great but james Harden goes oh yeah you know we 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 weren't going back to philly for a game seven which is kind of what you say but tobias sort of put more truth to it which is that Look, if this game, if this, if the Raptors were pushing this series back to Philadelphia tomorrow for a game seven, everybody in Philadelphia was ready for this team to choke. I mean, on Monday night in game five, this crowd was already down on the team in the first quarter of the game. Like they were just ready for the other shooter drop. And ironically, it felt a lot like Brian, those Raptors teams before the Kawhi year, when, as you know, whenever you covered the Raptors and they would lose the first game of basically every series back then. Like everybody, decades. everybody in Toronto would go, oh, they're going to get swept. They're going to pull a team up. It's going to be a disaster. And they came back and won a lot of those series. But just there was a perpetual feeling of doom around the team. And after Philly was up 3-0, things are great. Joel hits the shot. Then he comes in. His thumb is bothering him. They lose game four. They get blown out in game five. It's like, oh, no, things are going to hell. And I got to give them credit. They came out. Yes, the, the couple days before game six. Everybody said they were going to be aggressive. They're going to come out and win the game. They just had to show up and win the game. And, you know, you never know if that's talk or if it's how the team actually feels. I and have to say it was legendary Doc Rivers defending his. Ooh. And it took like three minutes because he had so many blown. Leads. Like, first, there was this. That team sucked. And then there was this. And, and, you know, and then he just like and then he's just like, well, you know. Yeah, Clippers. look at look at that Who magic roster. What a coaching job I did. Yeah, I know. It's amazing. <laughs> it was quite like, it was quite the thing. Oh man. But listen, there was there was real pressure on this team to win this game. And I give them a lot of credit because the, the crowd was juiced up in Toronto. They really don't like the Sixers. They thought they had a chance to get back in the series. And James Harden played great. Joel Embiid played great. Um, you know. Try Tyrese Maxey got back in the series and played great. And uh it just was a and um, Harden looked like a star for for stretches of that game. Well, he, he did had two days off. He had two days off, and I I'm sorry to say, but that really matters for him. Yeah, and I was I was I thought, you know, after Doc's performance at the uh you know between game presser, I thought Harden might get up there and explain all his uh elimination game issues. You know, I thought, hey, well, let me explain this two for 11 and then that two for 11, the one against the Warriors, the one against the Spurs and, you know, kind of go on down the list there. But I, I guess he didn't feel which ones am I missing? Who, who well, am I missing? well, listen, and if you if you look at that game last night, I mean, look, Harden was great. I think he had 22 points and 15 assists. I think he was seven for 12 from the field. But you want to look at what's indicative. The play that's indicative of that game last night is about two minutes into the game. James Harden gets the ball in the right wing. And the seas part like he's Moses, and he just walks to the rim and dunks. Another the ball. six is great. Another six is great. Yes, and he just <laughs> walks to the rim and dunks the ball like nobody's there with, with nobody even trying well, yeah. to guard him. And it's because the the Raptors don't have a center, which is why we were talking. Well, about but it's not it's not just that. It's that the Raptors just did not execute defensively at all, all game. And the games that James got off in this series, games one, two, and six, when the, and not coincidentally, the games the Raptors got blown out of the building. Those were the games where they did not stick to the game plan and they allowed him to just get where he wanted. Because frankly, Joel Embiid was the best player on the court last night and he sort of put to bed any thoughts that his thumb is going to be an issue to me going forward. That's when he a really good point. 
I mean, Tomahawk really just dunk with two minutes to go and tried to rip the rim off the backboard. Um, and he had 33 and 10 and was great. But this Sixers team is going to go as far as James Harden can take him. And in the three games in this series where they won big, he was awesome. And the other three games in the series, they basically trailed the whole game and he was not very good. And ultimately, when you look at this second round series of the Miami Heat, that's what it's going to come down let's, to. Can James Harden score against them? Let's talk here, about here that. Comes, so. Here comes Bam, the number four player in defense player of the year voting, and determined to make a point that, hey, should have been a hell of a lot higher. It was number one on my ballot. Um, I'm a, I'm at a cross here. I got I got him. What, did, what did you go? Did you just go? Did you? Was your uh, awards ballot just like a straight heat flush? <laughs> no, absolutely not. I don't think I had any heat players on my LNBA team. Well, I know you had uh, Hero as as MVP. Actually, I had Bam. I had Bam sure. third team LNBA. Oh, here, yeah, Hero. Yeah. Okay. Look, this series. Um, it's delicious. This series uh, is gonna be awesome. Gonna be a lot. Of, gonna be a lot of fun. This, Jimmy back to Philly. Joel and Bam, James Harden against that defense. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah. So, look, I mean, Spo is been crafting this game plan now. And, you know, the, the thing about the Heat's defense and the, just, just in general, the Heat's versatility, their depth gives Spo so many different cards to play. Throughout the course of the season, they had so many guys injured and they played so many different lineups that Spo trusts so many guys. Mm-hmm. I mean, Victor Oladipo is now a guy you trust. Gabe Vincent, a guy who was barely hanging on to the NBA a year ago. He'll start him if he has to. He'll play him big bets. He'll play him down the stretch of a game. If there's foul trouble, he'll put in a rookie, Omar Yurt seven. Um, it's, uh, it's, you know, he's, he's not afraid to do it. And so I think the big thing will be how, will they be able, will the Heat be able to keep Embiid from absolutely going clean off? Because Bontemps, I think that's what it's going to take. I, I, and, and, you know, mm-hmm. Embiid's um, performance uh, in game six when he had that big game, um, you know, relifted hopes that, that he can play through that thumb injury. But I think for the Sixers to have a chance in this series, just to be honest, I think it's got to be Embiid averaging mid 30s, hitting threes getting guy getting bam into foul trouble get, playing great i think Embiid's going to have to be all encompassing to try to handle this team four out of seven well and has got to be great but it, it this is about Harden. Hard, this it, he's going to be the reason whether they win the series or not it's going to be can james Harden, i can't count on him i can't count on him well yes i i know that's why the heat are probably going to win the series but that that's the that's the question is can james harden against a defense where you know again the other key is will kyle lowry and jimmy butler be healthy I mean, that, you know, Jimmy Butler yeah. all of a sudden being out of game five with knee soreness, like, let's see what he looks like in a, after basically a week off. Is he going to be able to play? Is he going to have issues? I mean, if he can't play, things change dramatically. Yeah, but if he's it. healthy and Kyle Lowry's back from this hamstring injury, which again, old guy just turned 37, I believe. Um, you know, let's see how he responds to that. All but these day day hamstrings. Right. But if those guys are healthy, you got PJ Tucker, you got Bam Adebayo, you got even Max Struess, a big physical guy. It's going to be hard for Harden to, to you know, move off his spot. Mm-hmm. Can James Harden attack and score against a team like that? Um, if he can, then I think Philly can win the series. If he cannot, if he can't consistently get offense going against them, I think it's going to be really hard because Embiid is going to get his points. He's going to score. But they traded for James Harden to be the guy who could carry them the rest of the time. And when he is feeling good, and playing well, 
The ball is popping. He's getting guys set up for open threes. Everything else starts to fall into place. And that's why you saw, like I said, in the three games he played really well in the series, they destroyed Toronto. And that, that was the difference. And Bede was pretty good every game other than game five. Pretty good to great. But Harden went very up and down. And so that, that to me is going to be the real key is what happens with him. Yep. And I just don't, I just have no idea. I mean, I don't believe in it, but you know, yeah. that's why, that's why I'm probably going to pick Miami to win the series because I, it, you can't, I can't really trust James Harden to do it. Well, it, it's, it's James Harden against a great Miami defense, several great defenders and the South beach uh, scene. So there's a, there's a <laughs> lot really going you know, on. Uh, so I, so Chris Paul, and I mean, I, I mean, this may be normal. I don't want to say this is anything special, but um, uh, from what I hear, Chris, Chris Paul instituted, he instituted a, uh, a curfew in new Orleans during this series. Um, he's like, we're going to have a room for cards and we're going to have a room to watch the games and uh, have at it guys have dinner, but be back. I don't, I don't know what the curfew was. I didn't right. the time, but uh, gentlemen, you're going to be back here in this hotel at X time. Uh, not from the coaching staff. Chris Paul issued. By the way, edict. by the way, I would have loved if Chris Paul issued that edict when he was with the Rockets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, would have been um, a good try. Did uh, did Philly go immediately down to Miami from Toronto, I, or did they go back to the center first? Oh, well, they because... they took they took a bus over the border, like I did. So I didn't take a bus, but um, so I not right away. Who, who, who drove who drove that bus? That's very important for Barkley. It must have been Embiid. <laughs> Probably was. Oh Maybe gosh. they brought in KD what to drive they... the bus. Maybe they brought him in. Hey, KD he's got he, he's got time. A freelance bus driver these days. That's what. Hey, he's been a freelance bus driver, I guess, for the second half of his career. Wow. If you want to look at it that way. Wow. <laughs> um, all right. Bus so, driver uh... for hire. Well, that's gonna be a great about... series, though. Very excited for it. Bontemps is headed to South Beach. Um, oh lordy! By the way, the F one race. Well, at least that. Hey, they won't let Bontemps any of the any of the decent spots, so they don't have to worry too much. <laughs> that's true. Um, so the F one race is next week, Bontemps. I don't know if you're going to be around for that. Part. I will not be. Unfortunately, I would love to go to the F one race. Man, Rudy, leaving, uh... Rudy Gobert said said F one, and then he got twenty five grand docked from him. <laughs> The Low Post Podcast brings you some of the best insights into the world of the NBA, hosted by NBA insider Zach Lowe. Playoffs are here, and Lowe will be there with what you need to know. Listen to The Low Post wherever you find your podcasts. You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, catch the clutch hitch, strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems with nothing on your roof. So who's ever up there, whether it's the roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, root, root with nothing on your roof. Yes, stream your team. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit DirecTV.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Fortune favors the bold, the strong, the brave. For your business to break out of anything holding you back, you need business checking as brave as you are. 
Introducing Novo Business Checking. Novo is powerfully simple business checking. And unlike the traditional banking model, Novo has no minimum balances, no transaction limits, and no hidden fees. Instead of a one-size-fits-all approach, Novo is customized to your business to save you time and free up cash flow with seamless integrations to Stripe, Shopify, QuickBooks Online, and more. Sign up for Novo free and join the community of over 150,000 fearless small businesses who found the customizable business checking solution that admires their brave. Sign up for your free business checking account right now at novo.co slash hoop. That's novo.co slash hoop. Plus, Hoop Collective listeners can get access to over 5,000 in perks and discounts. Go to novo.co slash hoop to sign up for free. Novo.co slash hoop. Novo Platform Inc. is fintech, not a bank. Banking services provided by Middlesex Federal Savings FA, member FDIC. Terms and conditions apply. All right. It's too early for, for McMahon. So um, this series that I covered uh, ended last night. Um, New Orleans um, going out with a, with a fight. Um, Chris Paul was an absolute master in this series. And I know his career is, is, um, is uh, littered with stuff like this, but uh, he had two 19.4 quarters um, to basically clinch games one and three. He, um, uh, he had 16 point first half in game five when he was still dealing with a, a little bit of I mean, what clearly was a minor hand issue, but the uh, Pelicans really weren't sure because um, after he hurt his left hand in game four he didn't score he didn't score the last three quarters of the well, game. He, he was also dealing with a gluteus maximus issue because jose alvarado and herb jones are royal pains in his butt jose the jose Alvar- jose alvarado flat out unnerved chris at times in this series chris <laughs> it was got awesome to watch chris got two flagrants and one was on herb jones but he was kind of mad at alvarado when he did it and he got two technicals angry about alvarado and Alvarado Let's see if those flagrant shot. points add up later on, by the way. Yeah, That's going to be something to watch. He has two flagrant points. Especially with his, with his Draymond-esque tendency to have his foot find uh, nether regions. Well, and, yeah, and remember, for, for all the talk Elbows of 2016, too, for, for all the talk of 2016, when Draymond got suspended, when he, you know, hit uh, LeBron in game, five, game four of the finals, when he, what he really got suspended for, in my opinion, was body slamming Michael Beasley that's with right. a second to go against the Houston Rockets ridiculous. in the first round. Yeah, that's right. ridiculous well, Steve, move. Steve Adams would point out that he had a lot to do with it, too. He's, well, he, he was the yes. one the biggest hit, Steve and, Adams and, would and it was say twice. Stephen Adams would say he earned those two flagrants. The best quote of that entire playoff run was when Stephen Adams goes, it's happened twice. It's not that big of a target, mate. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But, you know, my point is one second to go in a meaningless at the end of a meaningless first round game. Draymond body slams. Michael Beasley yes. gets a flagrant costs him a lot later. Let's see. Let's see if this ends up impacting Chris Paul, because certainly the Suns are expected to be playing for a long time. Yeah. So um, and then last night, um, <laughs> Chris, Chris blind picked. Um, Alvarado knocked him on his backside. Used Chris used his backside to knock Alvarado on his backside mm-hmm. with the brutal blind pick and chipped Alvarado's tooth <laughs> in the process. Oh 
Um, By so, the way, Grand Theft Alvarado. I don't know who to credit with that, but that's the best nickname in uh, in the NBA right now. Oh yeah, it's great, and the fans love it. And uh, this didn't happen actually uh, in Game Six, but in Game Four when Alvarado was really going, uh, every time he made a play, the fans would chant "Jose, Jose, Jose, Jose," yeah. and it was uh, fans were super duper into it. Um, yeah, you know, I, I was here for opening night in New Orleans. The building was dead, and um, to be back at their last game. When the building was very much alive, was good to see. And hey, um, man, shout out Willie Green! What a un—I mean, dude, two weeks in the season, we were talking about tank it, get a top five pick, and they didn't—you know—they didn't make a playoff run. But dude, Willie Green did an unbelievable job for a rookie head coach with that team, given all—you know—given the fact that they had a three hundred plus pound black cloud looming over them or looming over Portland for for most of the season. Yeah, sure did. Did a terrific job. Well, uh, supposedly, you know, it's, it's, it's early in the morning here in New Orleans. Supposedly Zion is going to speak to the media today for the first time since, um, since October. Or will, will, September. He, will, will he put on a dunk exhibition for him too? I mean, <laughs> we've seen some of those. I did. I did with my own two eyes witness Zion on a court yesterday for the first time all season. Um, I didn't actually see him do anything on that court because he's been doing his workouts before the media is allowed in, but um so what CD says about that, the Pelicans obviously have a bright future. Mm-hmm. This series, um, to me, uh, this was, I mean, so Chris Paul was just amazing. Booker didn't quite look right. Um, may have come back slightly early from that hamstring. He I said he su- felt okay. but I was really surprised that they brought him back for game six. I mean, listen, they know what they're doing. They've, I've got eight years in college, but they've got folks with medical degrees <laughs> and stuff. Uh, I was really surprised he came back for game six. Well, I was just surprised he did it without really a, a, a full team workout. Like he didn't mm-hmm. play like five on five. He, he, he scrimmaged against Jarrett Jack, apparently one-on-one, by the way, there was a hilarious thing that happened before the game yesterday. Um, so the, the crowd in, uh, as other crowds have in other, other cities, the crowd doesn't like Jay Crowder and, uh, they've been, they were chanting throughout the series bleep Jay Crowder. So um, some guys who had some courtside seats um, showed up pregame, you know, with these very brightly printed and on the front and back uh, F uh, asterisk asterisk K J Crowder exclamation point front and back. And there was a, I think it was a father and son, but I don't know. And they were going around and, <laughs> what happened in they the series to cause what happened in the series to cause that by the way just general jay crowder i just <laughs> didn't know if there was a i mean i know jay uh, Jen tends to do that i just didn't know if there was a precipitating event that Lo- caused love that. him if you love him if you have him hate him if you face him <laughs> right you know he was doing jay crowder things no no in no way one in one event you know just five or six plays that upset you know he was guarding brandon ingram and so they're a little yeah. protective of him so anyway but these guys didn't just wear those shirts they brought like a dozen more shirts that they intended to hand out. I think they were sitting in the second row. So Booker was out there for his, you know, I'll tell you something about Booker. Booker just doesn't have patience for anything. He, he's very much like Kobe in this way. He doesn't, he doesn't like something. He's, you know, he's not, I mean, he can be a, like a kind of a, he can mellow a little bit, but he's, he's kind of on edge at all times. And Booker was pissed off about it. So, and the father and son are kind of posing for pictures and having fun. And they made the mistake of walking away from their seats with those bleep Jay Crowder shirts just sitting on their chairs. So Booker goes and gets them. He and Jared Jack went and just took the shirts. Listen, Jose Alvarado's not the only guy who can come. Wait, really? In that they, t- they actually took the shirts? Oh, you he didn't see them. this, Bontemps? 
Jay no, Crowder, I, I didn't see Jay Crowder wore one to the postgame presser. Yeah. So did oh, Booker. wow. I didn't know. So did I, I mean, I was I was driving to Syracuse. I did not see yeah. any of this. Yes. That was amazing. Um, Holy yeah, cow. So, um, and so I enjoyed that a lot. Chris Paul has these uh, this array of suits that he's been wearing, pastel-colored suits, uh, perfectly tailored $10,000 pastel suits. Uh, he was not befouling uh, his outfit. Um, he was wearing a chain, a special chain last night that um, uh, little uh, little Wayne gave him uh, when he was a, when he was a, a, a hornet years ago. Everything was just so he wasn't sullying himself with that shirt. But but uh, Booker threw that sucker right on and brought it to the press conference uh, as did Jay Crowder. <laughs> but this series, in addition to being about that, um, guys, Mikhail Bridges is Whew. he's an absolute stud. And if the the difference between the Suns this year and last year, uh, in my view, is that Bridges has got so much more than he can do. Um, and I'll tell he, you what, talk about him and, him and Booker you, both have taken a big step this year. Yeah. And 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 Bridges is a guy, dude. The Suns have to be thanking their lucky stars they got that extension done because he would make a lot more if he was heading into restricted free agency. Yeah, um, he had one of the finest two-way games I've um, I've seen in the playoffs in person in game five where he had um, 31 points on 12 of 17 shooting. Um, absolutely played smothering defense. He, you know, he just, he took CJ McCollum out of the series. Uh, McCollum yeah. shot like 36% for the series. He had some moments, but um, he, he was like a shutdown corner on McCollum. And um, his, his and, next assignment is going to be a little tougher. Well, that's the thing. So, you know, now it's going to be Luca, and you know, the 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 Suns really showed at times this season during this series, like in dealing with because Brandon Ingram was a real problem. You know, he scored thirty straight points in games two, three, four, mm-hmm. and the Suns kind of shut him off. I mean, he still had twenty two, but he didn't shoot the ball well the last two games. They started double teaming him. And started using basically Aiton as as the blanket, and um, it would not surprise me if that's what they do against Luca. Um, is their their point of attack will be Bridges uh, or Crowder, probably both, and they will use Aiton um, as their sort of second line. And Aiton had moments where he vanished into the wallpaper on defense in this series for sure. I mean the. Valanciunas had a couple of really significant games, but Aiton is a real, he can, he, because he can move so well, he can cause problems out there by his, his ability to move. And he's a devastating pick and roll partner for Chris Paul. I mean, this obviously is not going to happen again, but he went 10 of 12 last night. Chris Paul went 14 of 14. They're running a pick mm-hmm. and roll. I mean, the Pelicans just, you know, wave the white flag. They just, they couldn't handle it. And so um, I'll be interested McMahon. Um, if they go whole whole hog on that and just try to flat out double Luca, uh, you know, using Aiton as the as the pincher. Well, I tell you what, the the Jazz threw a lot of doubles of Luca in the second half last night and got absolutely torched doing, and all series long, but in the in the third quarter especially, just got absolutely torched doing it because Luca, to his credit, gave the ball up. And gave it up decisively, and gave it up. You know, you, there's there's sometimes guys, especially stars, they'll pass, but they'll pass only if they think they can get an assist out of it. He was giving it up, and, and the ball was hopping around. 
Uh, Jalen Brunson's coming off one of the great breakout playoff series that we've seen. Uh, talk about a stats Williams, Jim. How about this? Brunson, 27.8 points per game in the series, uh, four turnovers. Oh. That is the most points per game in a playoff series by a guy with five or fewer turnovers since turnovers became an indiv- individual stat mm-hmm. in 1978. It w- that used to be uh, a distinction owned by one Larry Bird. So when you're when you Ching. Know, yeah, exactly. Uh, ain't no discount, as as Rick Brunson told me. <laughs> ain't no discount. Talk about you wish you'd have gotten an extension done. Um, I, I'm excited for this series because. Obviously, Bridges and Luca, and, and how they deal with Luca, what you're talking about there, that that's going to be a huge part of the subplot. Um, and Bridges is going to be so – I think he's going to be so important on the other end. The Mavs have two stoppers, right? I think Bullock will spend the majority of the time on, on Chris Paul, and Reggie Bullock has been uh, just a huge addition for the Mavericks with a mid-level. Last night – Nick Jake certainly Kittle, felt his loss this year, that's for oh, sure. Yeah. Jake Kidd told me after the game uh, – that Reggie Bullock was sick as a dog is, is what Jake had said. So he, he only played 44 minutes last night. <laughs> um, Finney Smith and the, the, the only game these guys didn't play in the mid forties in this series, Bullock and Finney Smith was uh, in, in the blowout in game five. And by the way, Bullock got tossed with the first two technical fouls of his season in that game. Um, you know, Finney Smith, I think is going to be, I think his primary assignment will be uh, Booker. So, you know, you, that you're leaving either Brunson or Luca on Bridges. And, you know, not that Bridges is a, a guy who, you know, is going to be an ISO guy, but he's not a, you know, he, just, he had a 31 point game. You know, he can do some things offensively. I think his offense is going to be a, a huge factor in a series. Well, can, um, can they, can they stand up those minute loads? Because the Suns, um, we'll the find Suns out. Got a lot going for him. We'll find out. Uh, you know, fortunately they, they play the game indoors because I don't think the Arizona heat would be much fun, but, uh, yeah, those guys, they're, that's just the way it is. They're going to have to play mid forties type of minutes. If they had to do it against the jazz, I mean, with, with Donovan Mitchell and Conley and Clarkson, like, you know, at the bare minimum, their, their minutes will be mirrored to, uh, to Booker and to Chris Paul. And, and think, you know, Booker's Booker's hamstring, I, I he came back. I don't know that we can say that's definitely not an issue moving forward. He 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 was, you know, he was much better um, by Monday when the series goes in. That'll be the uh, the two week zone where you know that should be should be recovered. Um, so I actually, I don't think you'll see necessarily him scoring thirty points in the first half like he did right before he heard it, but. Um, I would expect by Monday Booker would be, you know, he, he felt strong enough to play uh, on Thursday night. I, I would expect by by Monday he's he's ready to go. I'm tempted oh. to pick Utah to win the series, or not Utah. Well, that, that would be that would be Utah. A Utah would be a really bold pick. call. I uh, <laughs> that'd be a really bold call. I'm tempted to pick Dallas to win the series. Uh, I I'm I'm really fascinated by this matchup across the board. I think the fact that Luca is clearly by very significant amount, the best player in the series and is now healthy is, you know, a pretty important factor, obviously. And also, you know, look, we saw the Suns, certainly a bit of an up and down series against this Pelicans team. I've sort of wondered all year if Phoenix was a team that has just played at a super high gear all year. And if they get to the playoffs, they'll be able to go up another level. 
And the other thing on top of that is we saw in that series, a lot of JaVale McGee, a lot of even some Bismack Biombo. Like <laughs> that's true. The Suns cannot play small. They have to play big all the time. And when you've got Luke out there pulling the strings and you've got the jazz having the ability or the, I keep saying the jazz, what a, what my, it's very early. It's still Syracuse. For me. It's Syracuse. Uh, Syracuse is infecting my brain. Uh, the Mavs with, you know, being able to play Maxi Kleba as a small ball five and having five out and spacing the court with Spencer Dinwiddie and Jalen Brunson and Luca, um, Dorian Finney-Smith, like they can, they can really, I think, maneuver uh, and manipulate Phoenix's defense quite a bit and give them a lot of trouble. I, I think it's got a chance to be a great series, but I, I'm, I'm really tempted to pick, to pick the Mavs. I thought coming into playoffs, they were the biggest challenge to the Suns with the way they were playing. And like McMahon said, with them guarding the way they are now, it makes them a much, much different. I, 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 listen, I, I feel you. I feel you. I understand. It's, it's, it's a reasonable thing to say. The Suns did not look good in this series. Cam Johnson has been in a slump. Jay Crowder has been in an offensive slump. Um, Booker was hurt. They're, you know, that second unit, there's some spots on it that are mildly shaky. But God, in this clutch time, they just oh. are so... Hold on, hold on. I got something for you on that. Uh, obviously, the Suns, absolutely dominant all season long in the clutch. After February 2nd, when the Mavericks managed to lose at home in overtime to the Oklahoma City tanker, uh, the best clutch team in the NBA, the Dallas Mavericks, and not right. by a little bit, not by a little bit, net rating of plus 41.6. Okay. They were number one in clutch offense in that span. They were number one in clutch defense in that span. Okay. So obviously a huge part of the Mavs clutch success down the stretch of the second half of the regular season was the trade for Spencer Dinwiddie. He had some big time clutch moments, the, the game winner in Boston, the buzzer beater in Brooklyn, you know, several others. He did not have a great series in Utah. You know, they, they need a another, you know, big time stretch of games from uh, from Spencer Dinwiddie. But I'm just saying, Chris Paul is the best closer in basketball, no doubt there. Uh, but the Mavs morphed into a clutch monster, and I'm right. fascinated to see how, that, how those situations play out. I'll tell you out. what, it's not exactly a reward for the number one seed because by the end here, the Pelicans were not an eight seed. Yeah, uh, they were not a 36 win team the way they were playing at the end. And they were better even without CJ all the way through, to be fair. I mean, they were playing like a 45 or 46 win team before, you know, after right. the trade. So and now they, they were get the Mavericks, good. who, you know, arguably were the were the best team in the West coming down the stretch. So, uh, hey, that's what you got to do to win a title. McMahon, what's your you what you got to feel on that series? I can't pick against the Suns just because, you know, hey, they were the clear-cut best team in the NBA all season long. I think it's going to be a heck of a series. I think it might be a seven-game series. Feels feels a little bit like Pistons-Cavs 2007, Brian, maybe. Yeah, but this Suns team doesn't have weaknesses like the like the like uh, that Pistons team did. Um, I mean, it's – I don't know. The, Sun, the Suns do a lot really, really well, and Monty Williams – the, the Monty Williams, Chris Paul dynamic is incredible. The Chris Paul Booker dynamic is incredible. Mm -hmm. And the rise of, of Mikhail Bridges, who was the second best player in the series because Booker missed most of it was the second best player in the series for the Suns. Um, 
I mean, if, if this is who Bridges is going to be going forward, he's going to be more than just a defensive stopper. He's going to be a genuine offensive, uh, you know, third option. You know, the Suns are, are you know, are we even more potent than they were for most of the season? All right. Thanks for listening to Hoop Collective Podcast. We all got to travel and move onward. Uh, I'm headed to Boston. Bon Temps is headed to Miami. And uh, eventually, McMahon will make it to Phoenix. So we'll talk to you next week when uh, the second round will be underway. Adios, amigos.